family matters. Uh, this series is going to focus on, I've worked hard in preparing this so that no one's left out, all right? I'm going to begin, uh, and we're going to primarily talk about uh, relationships as adults. We'll move to parenting. But one, these messages are not only for married couples, but we're going to look at how a person who's uh, single uh, would relate to these principles, how a person who's become single again would relate to these principles. So, so as we apply principles, here's the great thing about God's Word. Principles work for everyone. Biblical principles apply to everyone in all, in all areas of life. So I, I believe as we study together that God is going to give insight and healing and direction but I, I really am so thankful you're here to begin this first one because I want to lay some foundation. Ezekiel 37. Now, as you're getting ready to read there, let me just hit a couple of things that came up. Uh, it would just be great on your way out as you help our kids. Uh, our student ministries, Elevate Ministries, and Next Gen Ministries are in charge of that fireworks stand. Uh, every year I wrestle with putting that big thing up out there on our front drive, but it really blesses them and helps them. And so you might as well just stop by on your way out and get your fireworks today. You won't have to come back on the 4th, all right? So you get that done. Help them out. It all goes to their ministries, missions, and, and our student ministries here. And again, if you've not signed up for Serve the City, you can go online and do that. Please, please go ahead and get that done. I'll say a little more next week. Serve the City begins a week from tomorrow. And it just, it's going to be awesome. I'm asking asking you to seriously think about what you can do to be a part of Serve This City. I'm, I'm going to ask you to step out of your comfort zone. I'm going to ask you to do something you've never done before. You know, if you do something you've never done before for God, you may get a blessing you never received before. Huh? If you do something you've never done before for the Lord, you, you're going to encounter a greater anointing, a, a greater encouragement, a greater joy. I, I, I know this is... but. It's just good. I know you're going to bless. It'd be worth you taking a day off from work next week to be a part of this. Or, 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 you know, don't watch something on TV next week during the night and jump in on this thing. I'm serious. It will be one of the great blessings of your life. So make your plans. Get ready to be a part of this. It, it's going to be amazing. So here we are in Ezekiel 37. I want to begin here. As we begin our series, Family Matters. Now, uh, I really pay attention to things like this, and I know you do as well. Two weeks ago, uh, when I was sharing, I went to chapter 37 in the book of Ezekiel, and we, we were studying there together. And then last week, Dr. Bosman comes in, and he goes to Ezekiel 37, and was teaching us how to prophesy to our prophecies, all right? Then, I, I'm sitting there last Sunday going, gee, that's where I was going to start my series next week. He, you know, I said that he stole my passage, you know, and, and then I thought, well, no, and the Holy Spirit said, no, I'm confirming. This is what we're, so we're learning some things. You know, it's, it's all the way you look at it. You know, did he get my message or steal my sermon or, you know, it reminds me there was a, uh, a young minister and he was, a, he was getting ready to be ordained. Uh, in, a, in a pastoral setting, and he was nervous and excited, and, and he was supposed to share a message in front of all these pastors. And the bishop was sitting next to him, and the bishop, he said, told the bishop, said, are you nervous, son? He said, yes, sir, I'm scared to death. He said, oh, it's okay, son. He patted me back. He said, just trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. It's easy to say when you're the bishop and not the rookie, you know, but he said, pat him, just trust the Lord. So the kid's nervous, and, and it's, it's his time to speak, and he, he grabs his Bible and walks up to the pulpit, and he opens it up, and he had grabbed the bishop's Bible accidentally. But the bishop was going to speak after him, and there was the bishop's notes. 
And as the young rookie looked at the bishop notes, he said, that's a lot better sermon than I had. So the kid preaches the bishop's sermon. And he goes and he sits down and the bishop said, son, you preached my sermon. And the rookie patted him on the back and said, just trust the Lord, bishop. Just <laughs> trust the Lord. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do today. I, I thought, oh, Dr. Bosman, you're coming out of Ezekiel 37. But we're just going to look at it again. Because this is a principle that I want you to see as we begin to look at uh, uh, concepts for healing relationships and building great relationships you know we're not just people that are being healed of what's broken we're people that are building something that's great how many can say man to that we don't want we don't want just healed marriages thank god for healed hearts and relationships we want great relationships in our life and that's what god wants to do he has to heal us before he can build something but we're reaching to greatness not just surviving but greatness and fulfillment so here, here's a principle that's critical that, that I want you to understand as we read this. I, I'm going to teach uh, st some steps. I'm going to teach you some, some things you can do and apply. But I want to show you something that if we do not understand this element from Ezekiel 37, we, we will never have the great relationship God wants, okay? So, so let's, the first 10 verses, let's follow along with me. Ezekiel 37, 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. So the Holy Spirit took the prophet there and said, I want you to see this valley. And what was it? Full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So this is a place of death. It's a place where there once was life. People had been there. It was a place of a battle. There were strong warriors there, and they had died. And their bodies had laid there so long that there was nothing left but the skeletal remains, and they were very dry. It had been a long time. It was a place of death, a place of loss, a place of discouragement. Unfortunately, when we see relationships and family dysfunction in America today, this may be a picture of what the enemy's trying to do to marriage and relationships in our nation. Everybody with me right now? It, it's a place where it looks pretty dismal. Maybe your relationship, you say, man, that thing's dead. It, it, it's hopeless. It's over. So let, we, we get the context. He brought him into a place that was overwhelmingly impossible from the natural context. All right? Verse 3, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? He, he could not even answer. The prophet said, I don't know. Only you do, God. He said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. All right? Let's keep reading. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them dry bones hear the word of the lord this is what the sovereign lord says to these bones i will make breath enter you and you will come to life now that's what god says but watch the two steps verse six i will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin i will put breath in you and you will come to life so that was the ultimate goal but it was going to happen in two steps Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. All right? So, so there was this, uh, what was scattered began to come together. The structure was there, okay? He says, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But look at this last phrase, but there was no breath in them. You know what happens if you come to church? I want to be very upfront and honest with you about this, these next few weeks. 
because I don't want to give you a false expectation. I want to always be honest with you. If you come here to church and you say, okay, pastor's going to teach us some principles about relationship and family and marriage, and you try to accomplish that, or I try to accomplish that, without this second element here, it's never going to work. See, although he prophesied and the structure was there and, and, and the flesh and tendons covered the bones, yet they were still lifeless bodies. If you try to implement principles, biblical principles, without the God of the Bible in you, helping you, empowering you, it's never going to come to fruition. See, anyone with, a, with an education can read the Bible. And you can say, okay, this is what the Bible says, and I'm going to do it. But if you try to do it without God, it's never going to work. You can have all the structure lined up. Are you with me? And everything in order. Have all the knowledge in your head. Have all the education. I'm for education. I'm for knowledge. I'm for all these things. But if you and I think that we can do in our ability what only God has the ability to do, it is a futile experiment from the beginning. Everybody with me? So although there was the beginning of an answer, there was still lifeless. So what was the second step? Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life. And stood up on their feet, a vast army. You know what I pray? I pray that in the midst of all the destruction that Satan is, is, is wreaking against the families and relationships uh, of, of North Alabama, of Calvary, of this area, I'm praying that we have such an encounter with God over these weeks that, that not only will we learn structure and guidelines and principles, but that we will understand we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and what was dead can come alive and, and what was broken can become an army testifying to the greatness of God. Now, whether you're single, whether you're single again, whether you're married, these principles are incredibly important and, and they're only implemented through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say it one more way. I, what I'm going to teach you is truth. It's, it's God's word. But the f most important thing you need to do to begin this series is be honest with yourself and God and ask yourself, have I committed my life to Jesus Christ? Am I a born-again believer? Am I, am I going to hear this with the ears of the Holy Spirit or with my human ears? Am I going to attempt to do this in my ability or am I going to attempt to do this with God's strength and ability? If you are a Christian, then the second question you need to ask yourself, am I willing to surrender my will to God's will and what I'm going to learn here? Okay? I want to help you from the beginning. Am I going to listen to this and not be looking at my spouse going, man, I hope they're hearing this. Huh? Anybody with me here? Are, are we going to take this personally? Are we going to say, it, it's not. Listen, somebody said one time, you know what? I think I married the wrong person. No, what you need to be saying is God helped me to become the right person. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm just, how, how do you say it nowadays? I'm right, I'm, you say I'm stepping on your toes. Now we say I'm right up in your grill, all right? So whatever it is, I'm trying to make this real and personal right now. Are we good? We're all good with this. Okay, so this is how it works. You, don't wait until you're a certain age. Don't wait until you're married. Uh, this, start implementing these things now. 
Let's bring some greatness in our life. Let's look at this. I want, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And, and uh, let, I want to read a few verses here. These are familiar, but I want you to think of these in this context of what God designed. Can, can I tell you something? We need each other. We need each other. Gentlemen, you're better with a wife than without one. I know you're all that. I know you think you're too much to spread around and let one woman have all of you. I mean, I, I know it. I know you're bad to the bone. I mean, you're something else. But, but I'm going to tell you, you need a wife. You need a godly wife. You, you need a wife. Ladies, I'm going to tell you, there's some knuckleheaded men running around this world today. Are you with me? You need a godly husband. You need a godly husband. You need a godly husband. So, Pastor, what if I'm single? Well, uh, look, God loves single. God, that's kind of how we started off, didn't we? And so, as long as I'm working on being the best single person I can be, God's working on bringing me the right one into my life. Okay? That's how God, the, 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 you know, if you want to see an arranged marriage, the, the, there was one. It's called Adam and Eve. God made Adam. God made me. Eve, and he arranged that they got together. And so if, if you and I are working on what we can work on, being who we can be, becoming who we can become, God's going to take care of the details in this thing, all right? So we need to get this order. So let's look at this. We need each other. We, God designed us, listen to me, differently on purpose. Can I give you a, 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 a bulletin here, a, a news announcement that's getting lost? Men and women are different. Everybody with me? Men and women are different. And that's on purpose. And there's something about a man and a woman coming together under God's direction that makes them both better. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Let's look at this. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 9. Two are better than one. There you go. God said it. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their work. There's something about a, a, a man and a woman uh, working together that has a good return. There's something about that that God created. Look at verse 10. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Evidently, you ought to be friends if you're married. Okay. Friends. It can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. You need somebody. Don't say, I don't need anybody. You need somebody. But I'm going to help you. You need God before you need a spouse. Okay. Well, I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Also, if two lie down together, now we're talking about married people only. Someone say only. You know, in this series, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to say the word sex in this series. So, all right, get used to it. I already said it. Get your breath back. I'm going to say sex. I'm not going to be graphic, but it's part of life. And you ought to hear it from the Bible instead of crazy. I'm worried about these kids. They, they think sex is 50 shades of gray when the Bible says it's one shade of black and white. <laughs> Not that hard. It's not 50 shades of anything. It's one shade of black and white. Still. Okay. I got your attention now. I said, I said it's going to be good. Well, it, it may. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now, watch this. Verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Look at this. A cord 
of three stands, three strands, is not quickly broken. Wait a minute. We were talking about two, 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 two. Then he throws three in there. When he was talking about when the hand of God is wrapped around the two that come together in him. See, that's the gift of God. This three, this two are good, but he says three is the best. Three is the best. He, when, when, when we begin to have that unity, that commitment, that God connection that, that is surrounded by the blessing and favor of God, that, that thing is not easily separated. That relationship does not easily terminate and come to an end. Um, one of the words that I shared with you a few years ago as I studied uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, one, one term given in, in the Gospel of John to the Holy Spirit when he's called our comforter, counselor, it's the Greek word paraclete. Paraclete uh, means that comforter, counselor, one who walks beside you. It was also that word, think of the word pair. It was also, or the, that, 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 that suffix prayer uh, there or, or is, is used to describe paraclete was how some uh, armies had trained to fight in hand-to-hand combat. They trained them to fight in twos. They fought back-to-back. So nobody could get your back. In training, they would actually tie a rope around the ankle to each one. So they had to learn to fight together. And they, they called that, that two-man fighting force the paraclete. The person fighting with you that had your back is your paraclete. Come on. See, that's, that's who you are. You, you are together. You've got each other's back. You're not fighting at each other. You're fighting for each other. There's a Holy Spirit combination. That, uh, the Bible, the Holy Spirit chose to use that as an example. When, when, when paraclete came out, they instantly thought, wow, that's two people that fight Together, not at each other so well that they synchronize their movements. This one's swinging the sword here while that one's swinging the sword there, the Word of God. See, they got each other's back. They're moving. But then God says to a godly relationship with its united and powerful as that twosome is, then he says, I'm going to wrap my blessing around that. And he said, when the Spirit of God is there, then something is not easily broken or disintegrated in that. Uh, let me say it one other way. Anybody ever watched the Rocky movies? Any of you been around long enough? Some of you are too young. You can Netflix it sometime. And, but in the second one, Rocky decides he wants to get married. Now, you know Rocky is not the most intelligent-sounding guy on the planet. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, Rocky was punch drunk before he ever started fighting. He was just, you know, he, he, he's not, a, not an eloquent man. But he said something pretty, pretty uh, significant. He's, there's that scene in Rocky II where his buddy, you know, the, is, is cutting the meat there in, in, in the meat house. He's a butcher. And, and, and the guy looks at Rocky and says, so, so Rocky, what's this thing about this, this girl? Rocky's telling him that he thinks he's going to ask Adrian to marry him. He says, so what's this thing about this girl? I'll try to do Rocky. I don't know if I can. And, and so he says, Rocky, what's this thing? He said, well, you know, it's, it's gaps. <laughs> he said, gaps? What do you mean gaps? Well, you know, it's like this. Uh, I got some gaps and she got some gaps and, and, and we put them together. We got no gaps. Oh, Rocky had some stuff going on because you got some gaps. Come on, I know it's hard to believe. And she's got some gaps. And you know, it could be by God's design. It's called blind spots. There are things you'll never see by yourself. There are things you'll never recognize by yourself. 
I hate to tell you by yourself, you think you're all that and some more. And then you get married and you discover, I, 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 I might not, <laughs> you know, know everything I thought I knew. And, and you begin to go to work. It's a blessing. So I'm trying to get you to see where, where we're going. We need each other. And, and, and the Holy Spirit, let me encourage you, the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and does what we cannot do. Does what we cannot do. For a few minutes here, I want to, as we begin to move into this, I want to help you with something because I believe most of our behavior that's damaging and destructive is coming from a place of brokenness in our lives. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in to heal and put us in order. Let, let's talk about insecurity for a moment. I think insecurity is one of the major uh, things that works against singles and married couples. In fact, everybody deals with a little bit of insecurity. I think our culture deals with it more than ever before. I mean, you know, you, you think of our exposure through uh, social media today. I mean, to everything. Uh, man, you know, you, the, you dads that, that married your daughters off before there was say yes to the dress, you were blessed. I mean, I grew up in a little town and a little church, and the first wedding I ever attended was mine. I had no idea what went on at a wedding. Phyllis did, but I didn't. You know, uh, you ever notice there's, there's the, they have a magazine called Brides Magazine. They don't have one called Grooms Magazine. You ever, we're not going to read it anyway. I mean, it's, we, we, don't, we don't practice getting married. Little girls got, got the whole thing going. So, so, so here's what happens. People grew up at one time, you didn't know what everybody else wore at their wedding. You may went to one or two before you got married. Everybody with me? Yeah. You, you, you just had no comparisons. Now, you look at TV, say yes to the dress and four weddings. And I mean, it's like, what's a wedding cost? Wedding cost now what, I used to, what you used to buy a house for. So we're insecure. We're compare, we compare everything today. You need to be set free from that. We compare everything, everything, everything. What does my dress look like? What did the wedding look like? What did the venue look like? Nowadays, people, you know, they rush to the wedding. The wedding ceremony is the least important part of the thing. They rush to that so they can get to the reception. You know, eh, you know go, we, they don't care about getting married. It's, it's, let's just get the reception. Don't look at me funny. It's got nothing about the vows. Maybe that's why the marriages aren't lasting. They don't even remember what they said. They had a three-minute wedding and a $30,000 reception. And then you feel bad because you don't do what they did. Well, my dress is not a, I don't know who makes wedding dresses. Help me, Phyllis. Throw me a word. I don't know who makes those designer dresses, but, you know, here's a little girl in, in Decatur, Alabama. She doesn't matter what, 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 what. Meghan Markle got married in in London, England. I mean, you're not Meghan. Is that her name? Meghan Markle. You're not marrying Prince Harry. It's not Prince Harry. His grandmother's not the queen. Quit comparing yourself. And then, and then, and then you want to look at, go to your looks. You know, looks. So, so you know, we these insecurities. You know, you find one person who's the one, one millionth out of one millionth that is 80 and looks 40, and you're like, my God, I don't look like that. <laughs> you know, and, and then those movie stars, everything you see is airbrushed. If you saw them pre-makeup, pre-airbrush, pre-spanx, <laughs> hey, listen to them. Some of them are so big, they put on their spanx, and, and it tore and so I thought they had a tumor. It was just a rip in the spanks. 
something came out of their blue. What was that? And then you go feel bad about yourself. Quit feeling bad about yourself. Quit comparing everything. Quit comparing everything. So your kids didn't win the spelling bee, and they can spell every word that's ever been spoken. That's all right. What do they have that's good? Are, are you getting me? Insecurity. Everyone has insecurity. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. That's why I read Ezekiel 37. I'm talking of relationship, single people, married people. Everyone has some insecurities. And what you need to understand, listen to this, knowing, knowing that God loves you is the greatest cure for insecurity on this planet. Until you know that you know that you know that God loves you, accepts you, chose you, adopted you, called you righteous, calls you son, calls you daughter, knows your name, knows the hair on your head, knows when you wake up, knows when you go to sleep, cares about you more than the birds in the air, cares about you more than the grass that grows, can meet your need. He loves you. He accepts you. Knowing God loves you is the greatest cure for insecurity on this planet if you don't know that don't get married if you don't know that don't get <clears throat> married if you're married and don't know that close your mouth until you know that see stop trying to get someone else to love you like only God can love you. It is a fruitless, disappointing, frustrating way to live life. If you think anyone can love you like only God can love you, you're never going to be satisfied. Do we understand that? Nobody, nobody consciously does that. But if I have insecurities and expectations that a, we think a relationship will solve, then we're always going to be frustrated. Singles, you have an incredible opportunity in your life right now to begin to discover and know and walk in and be secure in the knowledge that God loves you. Then you're not looking to find a relationship to make you feel secure because God already made you secure. And you stop making bad decisions off of bad thinking. If you're married, listen to me, please, and you are insecure, stop looking to your spouse to do what only God can do and begin to say, God, forgive me for expecting a human to do what only you can do. I love Phyllis with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. I think she's the greatest woman that's ever come on this planet. You other husbands ought to want to wrestle me over that because you think yours is better. That's okay. We ought to argue over that. But I know something. That she didn't create me. God did. That it's unfair to expect her to do that for me. And I have a responsibility to find a relationship with Jesus Christ that will allow me to become secure in him so I can love her the way she should be loved and not expect her to love me like only God can. See, 
most people reflect insecurity in the classic way. You're timid, your head's down, you're afraid, it affects, you know, the way you live. But then there are others, they're, they're insecure, and, and their insecurity is not revealed by, by timidity and head down and that. Their insecurity is, is hidden behind bravado and, you know, and, and loud and anger and control. They're really insecure on the inside. Listen to this. I, I, I want you to hear these couple of statements here. Everyone deals with insecurity. And it's an opportunity, listen to me, for either God or the devil to do something in your life. Everybody deals with it. It's an opportunity. Is God going to do something or is the devil going to do something in your life? See, listen, everybody lives one of three ways. Are you with me? Everyone in this room, everyone listening to me, you live one of three ways. You live either insecure or you live falsely secure, or you live secure in the love of God. I want to say it again. Everybody listening to me, you're living one of three ways. Either you live insecure, grappling, searching, weighing every relationship, trying to meet your insecurity, and it cannot do it. Or you deny it and you live falsely secure. I'm good. I got this. Everything's great. I, I'm, I'm good. I don't need that. You know, and you're lying to yourself, and you know it. Or you live secure knowing that God loves you. It's, it, it, it's amazing. It's the only way. And so uh, we, we're, we're told in Scripture, don't solve your problem the way the world solves its problems. You know, in our altered series, I read uh, we, our kind of foundation was Romans 12, 1 and 2. And Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Stop trying to secure yourself with the options from this world. See, you know, you might try to secure yourself with money. Money is important, but it's not essential. See the difference in those two things? Money's important, but it's not essential. To say money's unimportant is naive and foolish, let's be honest. Of course it's important. It's how you live. It's what you exchange your livelihood for. And if God blesses you to make more money, you can be more generous to people that are needy. You can provide your family with more things. Money's not a bad thing. The Bible says the love of money is your problem. And you can, have, you can be uh, homeless and the love of money be a problem for you. You, you can be extremely wealthy and, and, a, and, and, and multimillionaire and the love of money can be a problem for you. So it's not based on what you have. It's based on how you live. And so what, what we see is that money's important, but it's not essential. Paul said, I've learned to, to, to be fine, whether I have much to abound or whether I don't. He said, I'm at peace in all the way I live. See, there's this, why, why did he say that? Because he was secure. Because he had found his identity in Christ. He didn't compare himself. Well, uh, you know, you're a better person than me because you make more money than me. You've got a better marriage than I have because you've got a bigger house than I have. Your family's happier than my family because you've got one more car than we have. You see what I'm saying? Money, trying to solve your insecurity with money is a dead-end street. Trying to solve your insecurity, I talked about it a moment ago, with appearance is a dead-end street. There, listen, I, I, you know, I'm a small guy by frame, and, 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 and my favorite sport was football when I was young, and, and, and I loved football. And here's what I learned. No matter how big and bad you think you are, there's always somebody who's bigger and badder than you are. I mean, you're just going to find them someday. Just about the time you think you're all that, you're going to run into somebody and you're going to get up and thought, when did they build a brick wall out here on this football field? See, there's always going to be somebody who's bigger than you are, who's stronger than you are, 
Who makes more money than you make? You're, you're going to look at people. See, if you don't get this, you're going to live your life comparing. And here's the, here's the fallacy that the comparison is a it is a fantasy. Somebody said one time, if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, it may be over a septic tank. <laughs> You're over here looking all the time what they got. Well, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had what they had. It might stink when you get there. You know, it might not be what you think it is. And so insecurity will never be solved apart from knowing. Are you hearing me? Knowing that God loves you. I didn't say going to church. I didn't say owning a Bible. I didn't say being a member of Calvary Assembly. I did not say that you go through the motions. I'm telling you that until the breath of the Holy Spirit breathes life into our insecure, broken psyche, until our minds begin to be renewed by the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I have no cure for my insecurity. And to expect my marriage to do that is unfair to you and your spouse. Single adults, you have an amazing opportunity to get this right by yourself. It's easier to get this right by yourself. Are you listening to me? See, if you're single again, you've got an opportunity to reboot right now. You got me? You've got an opportunity to reset. You've got an opportunity not to carry all the baggage that hurt you and damaged you from your first relationship or a broken marriage. You have the opportunity to say, God, I understand that what I need is not a relationship. It's not a repeat of where I've been. You know, we, we, we need to stop thinking that we're just going to do the same thing over and we're going to, you know, some people get married like they play in the slot machine at Tunica. What do you mean? You just put money in and pull that lever. Maybe this time. That one didn't work. You say, well, let me find somebody else. Put that money in. Whom? Maybe this time. Doggone it. That one didn't work either. And, and you, you can reset. You can reset. You don't have to go back through it. Listen, we're, I'm not going to bring you in here and hit you and beat you up and call you a divorcee or you don't line up because you've had something happen in your life. I'm going to bring you in here and tell you there is a God who loves you right where you are, loves you right in your place and can restore and reset and make this thing work. But we have to stop doing what we did that derailed our other relationship and settle in and say, I'm only secure. In the grace of Jesus Christ. I have to find that in my life. Let, let me, oh, okay. Let me, Phyllis told me, don't say I'm having to hurry and I can't preach the rest of my sermon. So I'm not going to say that. So, <laughs> thank you, honey. Turn to Psalm 91. But I got weeks lined up on this stuff. Anybody learning anything? Are you thinking through some things? Aren't you thankful you don't have to compare yourself? Aren't you blessed that God loves you and accepts you? Aren't you thankful that you have to stop believing that some human being is going to do what only God can do for you? Man, if you get that while you're single, you, 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 listen, man, you're so far above the crowd. You know, you're not this person out here grasping somebody, love me, somebody, notice me. Some, no, 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 no. No, you're secure. 
You know, you, it, it's like the, the, these, you know, these losers, they're like swatting mosquitoes out of your way. You understand? I'm sorry, that sounds rough, but it's just the truth. You don't have time for that foolishness. You're secure. You know, you don't need that. Somebody starts all that stuff, it's like, really? Really? You really think I'm going to listen to that? You really think I need that? You Listen, you never met a woman like me. <laughs> you out of your league, partner. Do you, you're listening to me? He's out of his league. You're so far above him. Say, Pastor, is that right? Yes, it's right. And if it's not, the Lord will tell me. Right now, we're on the even. It's right. You, you're light years above that boy. Don't bother with him. Say, but he needs help. Yeah, and you're not his mama. Let mama help him. You get your act together. <laughs> He's got a mama, and you're not it. <laughs> Somebody needs to help us. Look at Psalm 91. Come on, I'm going to wrap with this today. Let's, let's look at Psalm 91. Okay, look. Watch this. Watch this. This helps. He, she, how do I, how do I deal with my insecurity, Pastor? I said, knowing God loves me. How do I walk in that? Come on, it's one thing for me to say it here on Sunday morning. Everybody's saying amen and hallelujah. How does this work? Can you leave here? You got me? And it's, and it's Friday night. You don't have a date. It's Saturday, and he didn't tell you, wife, how beautiful you are this week and how he loves you. And, sir, you're going to work, and she didn't even talk to you before you walked out of the house. Okay. How does this work? Watch me. Psalm 91.1. Look at this. He who dwells in the shelter or in the secret place of the Most High. What's the secret place? We don't have time. Let me just give you a quote and a nod. You can study it. Matthew 6.6 says that when you talk to the Lord, go close the door and walk into your secret place. How, How am I going to battle lifelong insecurity how do i how am i set free from lifelong insecurity it's when i spend daily time in the secret place if you're dealing with insecurity you better hear the voice of god before you hear any other voices every day of your life do you hear me well, Pastor, I'm tired. Well, you ought to be tired of being insecure and get your fanny up out of bed and go get in the secret place and listen to the voice of Almighty God. Pardon me for saying something about the backside in church. I apologize. But, but are you ought to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. So look, I'm telling you things that you're going to have to do if you want it to change. If you want things to change, you're going to have to do something different. It, it, you can't keep doing the same old stuff. Come on Sunday, pray for deliverance. No, no, no. We're going to have to work through some things. And if you want to, here's help. And God will be with you every step of the way. So I go into my secret place because I need to hear the voice of God before the other voices start. Right? So he who dwells, that's a living dwelling. You understand? He who dwells. That's what I do. That's where I live. See, if I'll go into his presence, if listen, if you'll go into the secret place, then you can carry the secret place with you. But if I never make the connection, I'm not dwelling. So he who dwells, dwells in the secret place, in the shelter of the Most High, look at this, will what? Rest. Rest. Insecurity will, will drive you uh, and, and weaken you and weary you. 
I begin to rest. What do I find? I rest. And what happens to the person dwelling there? Look at this. Look at verse 2. I'll just go through this verse. Watch what happens. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. You know what that sounds like? That's out of the mouth of a person who's been in the secret place. I begin to change the way I talk because the Spirit of God's changing the way I think because I'm hearing the voice of God. And so instead of all that insecurity, despairing thing, what happens? I come out of the secret place and what do I say? Someone say, say. I say, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God in whom I will trust. You begin to say what God is doing. You begin to talk like a child that's loved and accepted and blessed. It comes out of your mouth. It, it, it's, the, it's a person that's secure. You begin to talk. So, so other people say their stuff and you say, what do you say? Oh God, he, 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 God, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. I'm surrounded. I'm secure. See, I'm in a fortress. I, I am blessed and accepted by God. See, and and, 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 I'll, and I'll share some more with you next week, but it works like this. See, if you're insecure, you're always needy. And, and you're, listen, and your focus is always you. And so you, listen to me, couples, so you wake up in the morning needy. And if you haven't found the secret place, then, then the first encounter with your spouse, you're needy. And, you know, maybe, you, you, you know, and so they don't say what you wanted them to say. They didn't compliment something. He didn't say, that's the best eggs I ever ate in my life. She didn't say, you look like Tarzan today. So what happens? You're needy because you're insecure. Watch me. And they didn't do it. So, so you know, it's, it's, you know so, so then what do you do? Get frustrated. You, you, you didn't meet my need. So I just might not meet your need. She better not ask me if that dress makes her look fat. I'll tell her how that dress makes her look. Because she didn't make me feel like Superman. See what happens? Start all that stuff. Watch this. You've been in the secret place. I'm, this is going to save somebody's week. You listen to me. You've been in the secret place, and you don't come out needy. You come out secure in the love of God. Secure. You're feeling good. So, see, your eyes aren't on, aren't on you. They're on him. He is my refuge and my fortress. And so the spouse doesn't give you the kudo, you know, the attaboy the you're looking for. And you know what happens? Instead of pouting, thinking about yourself, watch, you're secure. You know what happens this time? You say, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. Oh, you mean there's somebody in the world besides you? You mean somebody else has feelings besides you? And instead of getting all offended and hurt, you're secure. So now you have the perspective to look at them and go, Maybe they're having a bad day. And so you say to them what you've been needing them to say to you. And you begin to say, hey, what's going on? Can I help you today? How you feeling? I love you. You know, what, what, what can I do? Are you, are, you, are you good? Is everything good? What can I do? 
And you know, the grace of God begins to pour in that relationship. And one blessing brings another blessing, and you sow and you reap. It begins to go. But that comes out of security. Those are the, are the blessings of security. And when, when we begin to be secure, how? Not in each other, but in the love of God. Oh, we need to love each other and help each other, be kind to each other. But when the love of God begins to come, when the security of the secret place begins to work in your life, oh, it changes the way you relate. I want you to stand with me. Let's stand. I want our, come on, I want to pray for you. Don't hurry out. you got a minute. Let's pray. And I want our musicians to come. We're going to pray. Aren't you thankful that God has answers to the deepest needs in your life? The deepest need. See, listen to me, singles, 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 listen to this. If you can get this secure thing in God, what you're going to bring into a relationship is amazing. And the people that even get around you begin to date you, they're going to see, listen, they're, they're going to say, this person's different. This person's not, you know, the, the status quo. And you're going to begin to understand, do I want to marry this incredibly needy person? Or do I want to be equally yoked? with a person who's found their security in the Lord. You you got what I'm saying? Then look what you bring your family. Look what you bring the people around you. If you're you're single and never been married, look how you start a relationship. If you're single again, look what you bring into the, uh, the, the blended family setting. See? If you're married, look what happens in your relationship. Do you understand what I said? This whole thing about security, do you realize I never have a told you one time to expect anything from that other person I've asked you to look at you and God you know what I discovered in my life the only person on this planet I have control over truly is me just me everything else everyone else I try to control frustrates me because I'm the only person that I have control over I've got to walk in that I've got to walk in that so a pastor what if the other person's not doing what I'm doing that's what God's going to take. That's God's part of this thing. See what I'm saying? You're not being secure just so they'll be secure. That's like forgiving somebody. If they didn't say, I'm sorry back, well, you're, you're mad you forgave them. Well, you weren't forgiving them in the first place. You got me? It's not about them. It's about you. It's about you being the right person. Peace will come to you. Security will come to you. Blessing will come to you. God will begin to work on things. He loves you too much. To let your obedience not have a reward. Do you trust him with all your heart? See, I want to pray two things right now. See, if you're not a believer, (laughs) this is information above your pay grade. I didn't say you're unintelligent. I didn't say you don't want good things. I'm not insulting you in any way. None of us are there. See, this comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's in the life of a born-again believer. I, I, only God can give that to you. So if you're not a believer, let's get that straight right now. If you are a Christian, let's begin to get our eyes off everybody else and be encouraged and say, God, I want you to work in my life.